Church family, I would invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word from Ruth chapter 2. God's Word says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field, or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels, and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name in whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. 
You may be seated. Well, good morning again. I bring you greetings from your sister church, New City Fellowship, and the Beachwood neighborhood. I'm thankful to be with uh, my brothers and sisters here at Grace uh, and for Pastor Mark uh, to be preaching uh, to our church this morning. So it's good to be with you. I just want to begin by uh, just acknowledging a fact that I think all of us have wrestled with at some point in our lives. Uh, And it's that our world, this world, the 21st century, often does not look like the world in the scriptures. And specifically what I mean by that is that God is not doing the great miraculous feats uh, that we see often in the scriptures. For example, we don't uh, see God parting Lake Ontario, for example, the way he parted the Red Sea. Uh, Or we don't see miraculous feeding of 5,000 people with the few fishes and loaves that we saw with Jesus. And that's not to say that God is not doing miraculous things that are often unseen. Um, But that's that's kind of the point, is that God is often unseen in our world. And yet, he is still at work. Even though in some sense God is silent, he is really not silent. He is still at work even though we don't see those miracles that strike us when we read the scriptures. And uh, the book of Ruth, if we look at the book of Ruth, if you read the whole book, you notice that it is very similar uh, to that fact about our world, that God, he doesn't do any miraculous things. Uh, He doesn't speak audibly to Ruth or to Boaz in this story. And yet, God is still at work in a mighty way to fulfill his purposes. Um, we, uh, we just celebrated Christmas, uh, which is the coming of our king, King Jesus. And believe it or not, the book of Ruth is about God bringing his king through this family, the family of Ruth and Uh, Naomi. And so even though it doesn't appear on the surface, this is really Jesus's family history and how even way back before the manger in Bethlehem, God was at work to bring about his king, to bring about his king, King David, and then ultimately his greater son, King Jesus. And so the big idea, as we look at this text today, and we're kind of coming at it in the middle of the story, um, is that God's king is coming through provision, through provision. And we see three big things that God provides for Ruth in this text. Guidance, refuge, and redemption. So, first of all, God's king is coming through provision of guidance. So, uh, we come to Ruth chapter 2, it's in the middle of this story, and and if you haven't read this book in a long time, I would encourage you to do so. It's a beautiful story of God's faithfulness and of his saving mercy. Uh, In chapter 1, the chapter before this one, we learned that the family of Naomi had gone into the foreign country of Moab, but there Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died along with her two sons. 
And so Naomi is left a widow and she is left childless, which is an incredibly vulnerable position for a woman to find herself in this time in Israel. And it's a similar situation for Ruth. Ruth is not from Bethlehem. She is actually from Moab, this foreign country. And so Ruth also is left without her husband, who was one of Elimelech's children. And so Ruth, in this amazing display of loyalty and faithfulness, goes back with Naomi to the land of Bethlehem. Even though she had no idea uh, what that city was like, she pledges herself to be loyal to Naomi. And so we come to the first few verses of our chapter in which Ruth, in a very courageous way, because she's not only unmarried, uh, she is a foreigner, she goes out uh, to glean in these fields, the fields of Bethlehem. And she's taking advantage of the mercy laws of the Old Testament. You remember from the book of Leviticus that the people of Israel were commanded to not take all of the grain out of their fields, but to leave some for the poor and the foreigner. And so Ruth is taking advantage of that as we begin this chapter. And the first thing that jumps out of the text at us, and we see that actually in verse uh, 3, it says that she happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. Now, when we hear that word happened, there should be alarm bells going off in our ear because we know in God's world, things just don't happen. Uh, There are no chance encounters in God's world. And so the author of Ruth is really there almost winking at us saying, you know, Ruth happened to go to the field belonging to Boaz, who ends up being the man who will ultimately redeem this family. And so we see, first of all, how God is guiding Ruth through his unseen hand to exactly where she needs to go. And theologians have a couple words to describe what God often does in the life of his people. We often say that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And what that simply means is that there is nothing that happens in your life that is outside God's power or his control. That's what we mean when we say that God is sovereign. Uh, We read several examples of this in the scriptures. Uh, From Proverbs 16, uh, the author says that the lot or the dice is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Even in the minutest details of our lives, when you're playing Monopoly or or Yahtzee, (laughs) you may think that it's you who who, who threw the dice, and it was. And yet it is God who ultimately brought about the result of that roll of the dice. Uh, He controls that. Uh, or Proverbs, uh, another verse in Proverbs 16, uh, a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And there's real mystery there. Even though we are the ones who make decisions, we often try to plan our lives. It is God who is sovereignly at work to bring about his purposes in this world. And that's important to rest on this morning is that we believe that God is sovereign, but his sovereign control, it's, it's not capricious. God is not out to get you in his sovereignty, but rather we remember, especially from Romans 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love God. 
So God's sovereignty isn't something that should scare us, but to give us rest and comfort knowing that God is going to bring about His will in our lives. And it's to do us good in this world. And as we look at Ruth, and as she goes out into this field, even though she is doing the action, it is still God who's at work. You know, it makes us think, what, what are the chance, quote-unquote, encounters in your life? Uh, what, are, what are the just-so-happens that you have experienced? Um, for me, you know, I, I just so happened to go to the same uh, seminary that my wife was attending at the time. Or I, uh, it just so happened that Pastor Chris uh, in Rochester had space for an intern a couple years ago. And that's how I became connected to the city of Rochester. Those things I did not plan. I did not plan for them to happen. And yet God was at work to bring about his purposes in my life. And I testify before you that they are purposes for good for me. So, uh, you know, I would encourage you as you turn to this coming year um, and as you look at this past year, even though it's, it's been a hard year for all of us, um, for some more than others, I want you to train your hearts to look out for the ways in which God is guiding you and the ways that God has shown up in your life, even this past week. You know, I'd encourage you even uh, this week to take five minutes to write down a few ways that God has shown up uh, to provide for you, whether it was a, a, a fruitful conversation with someone, uh, an encouragement, um, whatever it could be, um, take time to think about how God has been guiding you this past year. But So God's King is coming through provision, and He provides guidance, uh, but He also provides refuge for Ruth. And remember that Ruth is in great danger here. As she goes out into these fields all alone, uh, first of all, she is an unmarried woman. And, and as I said earlier, an unmarried woman depended heavily on male relatives to protect her, whether it was a father or a brother or a husband. But Ruth doesn't have that. But second, she is a foreigner. And, and it's not as though it, it's, it, you know, it's not comparable to a friend you may have from Canada or from France. Uh, she is actually from an enemy nation. Uh, earlier in Israel's history, Moab had oppressed the land of Israel for 20 years. Uh, and so this is not a neutral situation. Ruth is from a, a nation that is hostile to Israel and to whom Israel would be hostile to. And so if anyone was inclined to take advantage uh, or, or to rape a young woman, they would have been even more inclined to attack Ruth, an unmarried foreign woman from Moab. But we see as we continue reading that God provides a safe haven of refuge for her. Uh, and uh, as Boaz, who comes uh, from the city to his fields, he, he first talks to his uh, foreman, the person who is in charge of his fields. And it's interesting, as we read uh, you know, what this, the, the foreman says about Ruth, he doesn't really paint her in a very uh, positive picture. Uh, first of all, he highlights her ethnicity. Uh, you could almost imagine the way he would have said this. Oh, well, she's the young Moabite woman uh, who came back from Moab with Naomi. And so there, there could be a little bit of uh, ethnic prejudice uh, going on in his, 
in his uh, uh, mind. So he, he seems to be offering begrudging refuge to Ruth. Uh, and, and we can contrast him with Boaz. Uh, Boaz is totally the opposite of this uh, foreman. And we read at the beginning of the chapter that Boaz is called a worthy man, or some translations would say he's a man of noble character. Uh, and what that simply means is he's, he's a good man. He's got good character. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's someone that you can, you can trust uh, not only because he's got good character, but he loves the Lord, as we see uh, in the greeting he gives to his uh, reapers. Um, and it's the same term, that, that term worthy or noble character, that is used of Ruth, actually, in the next chapter. So she's also a woman of noble character. And this would have been a rare thing in these days in Israel. Uh, this actually takes place in the time of the judges, which is not really a good time in Israel's history. There's a lot of lawlessness and disobedience. But what he does is he offers Ruth a refuge. And what does he do? Uh, he physically protects her. He says, I've charged my young men not to touch you. Uh, men who would have been tempted to assault her, possibly. Uh, he gives her food. You know, he not only makes gleaning a lot easier for her, but she even, he even shares some of his lunch with her. Uh, so he's very generous. He's, he's providing for her. And probably what most impacted Ruth is he really sees her. Uh, he doesn't take her ethnicity and hold it against her. He recognizes her character as a woman who has left everything that she's known, everything that she knew in the land of Moab, and gone with her mother-in-law back to Israel. And he recognizes that she has sought refuge under the wings of the Lord, under the wings of Yahweh. And uh, Ruth is overwhelmed. You know, it says in the text that she falls on her knees uh, before Boaz because she was not expecting this. She was not expecting uh, a man from Bethlehem to praise her or to, or to be so generous to her. And she recognizes that he doesn't hold either her ethnicity or her class uh, against her, but recognizes that she has sought refuge under the wings of Yahweh. And, and this phrase, the wings of the Lord, or uh, it's a phrase that's often used in the scripture. It's, it's a beautiful picture of, of God as, uh, as a bird or as a hen gathering her chicks underneath her for protection. And actually later in the scriptures, uh, David's uh, great-grandson uh, will actually uh, use that phrase when he, when he says, hide me under the shelter of your wings, uh, when he says that to God. And, and so what we are seeing here as, as Boaz provides refuge for Ruth is that it's not just Boaz at work. God is providing refuge for Ruth through Boaz. And so when we look at the surprising grace and the generosity of Boaz here, we are seeing the grace and the generosity of our God, of the God of the Scriptures. And this is one of the big reasons that we read uh, not only the New Testament, uh, when we read uh, specifically about Jesus, but we read the Old Testament because it highlights the character of Jesus. So when we look at Boaz, when we look at the faithfulness of Ruth, we are reading the faithfulness and the good character 
of our Lord. Uh, and as, of course, as we go into the next chapter and further on, we will see this even more elaborated on the character of Boaz and Ruth. Uh, and this is an important thing, uh, another important thing for us to remember is that God uses people to encourage and strengthen us. It's one of the primary means by which he uh, comforts and encourages his people. Remember, God, uh, his hand is at work, but it's often unseen in this world. And yet, God is definitely at work through his people. This is one of the reasons why we cannot uh, forsake fellowship with one another. Because when we do so, we are robbing ourselves of the community of God's people. See, first of all, Jesus is our refuge. He's our refuge from God's wrath and from the brokenness of the sin-sick world. But then he sends people also to be our refuge. You know, it's, it's interesting. I can read in the scriptures that God loves me. And that's absolutely true. And I, I need to do that for myself. And yet, when I am in a, in a situation in which I feel like I've really messed up, um, I, I'm really feeling my sin and my brokenness. When, when someone, when another person says to me, you know, Alex, God loves you. God is for you. That, that really hits me in the heart in a way that often I, I may not get if, if I'm just uh, by myself. God sends people into my life, into your life, uh, to teach us truth, to teach us of his love. It's God's word embodied in people. Um, and that's, that's something I want you to remember. You know, think about your life. Uh, when has God provided people to be a refuge for you? Uh, even this past week, maybe it was a, uh, you know, someone who uh, really listened to you when you were having a really hard day. Uh, maybe it was someone who, you know, someone who just heard your problem and said, you know what, I'll take care of it. It's going to be okay. So who, who are the people in your life as you look back uh, who have been a refuge for you? And, and this amazing thing happens when, when we experience that, when, when people become a refuge for us, we, we want to give back to other people out of a changed heart. We, we long to be a refuge for others. So as you, as you look at this coming year, this year 2021, uh, be on the lookout for ways in which God may be calling you to be a refuge for others. How might God invite you to fulfill that role? Of course, uh, God alone is the ultimate refuge uh, for us, and yet who may he be calling you to to be a refuge for this coming year? Uh, and we know <laughs> this year, uh, this past year, we've definitely needed a refuge. Um, but that will continue, of course, in this coming year. So, God's king comes through provision of guidance, of refuge, but lastly of redemption. So, Ruth returns home after uh, getting a huge barley harvest from Boaz, and Naomi is just shocked. You've got so much grain. Where, where did you go? Uh, Naomi was not expecting this. And, of course, when she learns that it's from Boaz, um, she is struck by the goodness of Boaz because she recognizes that Boaz isn't just some random man, but he is called a redeemer or a family redeemer or a kinsman redeemer, uh, some of our translations say. 
Um, and what, what does she mean by that word, a, a redeemer? You know, when we think of that word redeemer, we think of Jesus. And of course, that's true. He is the ultimate redeemer. Uh, but there were also uh, family redeemers in this time in Israel. And what that person did is, is they could buy back family property that had been lost uh, because someone in the family had to sell it to pay off a debt. And so a family re- redeemer could buy back land to keep it in the family. But second of all, uh, they could buy a family member back from slavery. So suppose that you had gotten yourself into a lot of debt, you had no land to sell. Another option for you is you could sell yourself to another person as a slave until you could pay off your debt. And there were certain points in Israel's uh, history in which a redeemer could buy you back from slavery. But third, a family redeemer was also an advocate for justice on your behalf. So if you had got yourself in a sticky situation, a redeemer was there to advocate for you, to offer protection. Uh, And so that is what um, Boaz was. Uh, He was one of the family redeemers of Naomi's husband's family. And what's amazing is that that term is often applied to the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, Hear this text text from Jeremiah chapter 50. It says, This is what the Lord of armies says. Israelites and Judeans alike have been oppressed. All their captors hold them fast. They refuse to release them. But their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of armies is His name. He will fervently champion their cause so that He might bring rest to the earth, but turmoil to those who live in Babylon." So we see in that text that God is an advocating redeemer on behalf of his people, and that's the same for us. Uh, And as, as you continue reading in the book of Ruth, you will see exactly how it is that Boaz will fulfill this role as a family redeemer. Uh, He will rescue this family line from annihilation by, uh, first of all, buying the land back that Naomi had lost, but also perpetuating um, the line of descendants uh, through Ruth, so that Ruth will have a child, uh, and, and, and that child's grandson will be David. And so that is how God is bringing about his king through this redemption. But once again, just as Boaz goes beyond himself, points beyond himself to show how God gives us guidance and refuge, he also points beyond himself to show that God is the ultimate one who redeems us. He buys us back from Satan and from sin when we had lost ourselves. Uh, And of course, we see this term repeatedly applied to Jesus in the New Testament. In the book of Ephesians, we see, we read that we have redemption through the blood of Jesus. Jesus did not pay a redemption price for us with silver and gold, but through his very blood, his life. And so just as Boaz becomes an advocate, a refuge, a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, so our God is a redeemer for us. And of course, when we realize that, when we we realize that Jesus is the one who, who buys us back from our sin and buys us back from the power of Satan, that that changes us. It it makes us want to share that 
advocacy, that sense of uh, being a redeemer with others. Uh, Of course, we cannot redeem people uh, in the way that Jesus alone can redeem, and yet there is that sense in which we too can be an advocate for others. We can be someone who stands in another person's corner, uh, to use that phrase. You know, who, who has been an advocate for you in the past? Uh, when you were in a situation, you know, who has, who has been in your corner? You know, as I look back on my life, I can think of youth leaders who, uh, you know, I, I had had some bad experience with an earlier youth leader uh, who really didn't seem to, to notice or, or care about me. And yet when I went to this other youth group, I was just amazed that this youth leader, you know, he had this sense of like, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've come to our group. And, and you know, he really took time to befriend me and to uh, provide refuge for me when I was in a pretty lonely place. Uh, and so what, what have the situations been for you in which someone has been an advocate for you? Um, I also think of last year when we first moved uh, to Rochester, you know, this may seem like a mundane situation, but we were trying to figure out, you know, what's our health insurance going to be uh, now that we've moved to this new state. And I remember uh, this, this, this woman who uh, worked for the state, but she, she really uh, helped my family uh, to figure out the health care system. Uh, and she was an advocate for us. So even in the mundane things, uh, what may God be calling you uh, to do to be an advocate for others in this coming year? And ultimately, of course, this isn't something that we can just drum up inside ourselves. Uh, I am not naturally uh, someone who can provide refuge uh, or be an advocate uh, for someone. And yet the more I realize, I internalize, I meditate on what Jesus has done for me, the more I can do those things for others because I have that security uh, knowing that Jesus is my redeemer, he is my advocate. You know, sometimes we forget, as Hebrews says, that Jesus is at the Father's right hand, who is always making intercession for us. Brothers and sisters, right now, Jesus is praying for you. He is praying for you at the Father's right hand. And how does that knowledge change us? It gives us that security so that we might do the good works that God has planned for us long ago. So God's King comes through providing guidance, refuge, and redemption. And as, as we look at the story of Ruth, we, you know, our story is not going to look like her story. Um, and there's a lot of good things about that. Um, God is not going to work in the same way exactly that he worked for Ruth and for Naomi. And yet we can say this with confidence. Ruth's God is our God. He is the God who works on behalf of those who have no advocate, who have no refuge, who need guidance. Some of you this morning are facing situations in which you need guidance. You need God to guide you on a level path to a safe place. And I'm here to tell you this morning that he does that. And he may not do it in the timeline that you, you want. He may not do it in the way that you want. And yet our God is a guiding God. There are so many uncertainties this coming year. Uh, we don't know exactly when 
the vaccine is going to reach us. We don't know uh, 100% about um, you know, its effectiveness or, or if it's going to fix the problem. And yet, a certainty that we do have is that God is going to be with us. He's going to be with us in this coming year. Uh, he's not going anywhere uh, until he brings about his will on the earth. And it is a will for your good and his glory. And so let's remember that as we go into this coming year, that God is for us and he will guide us. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you are the king who provides and that you provide guidance, you provide refuge, and you provide redemption for your people today, even as you provided for Ruth. And so, Lord, as we go out into this coming week, as we face situations in which there's a lot of uncertainty in our own families and in our world, we pray that we would know that you are our God, the God who guided Ruth. And I pray that that would not just be something we know in our heads, but something we know in our hearts and that affects the way that we actually live our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.